Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Canadian Jewish Schmooze. My name is Michael Freeman. I'm Alex Rose. Today, we are going to be breaking down the most Jewish films of TIFF. The Toronto International Film Festival just wrapped up, and we're going to be dissecting all the Jewy goodness. Is that like a pun on gooey goodness or just a coincidence? I've never heard the phrase gooey goodness, <laughs> so it's not a pun. Okay. We're also going to be talking about what seems to be a rash, an, an epidemic. Is that too strong a word to use? It's an epidemic. People using the word Jew as a verb in New Jersey. So, Jew Jersey? Yeah, apparently. And finally, we are going to be asking, do Jews really need to worry about Shane Gillis? Probably not, but we're going to look into it. Today on the podcast, we are joined by Leora Helbron. Oh, is it Hale or Depending on where you're from, everyone just says Helbron, but it's supposed to be Heilbron. Heilbron. It seems weird to say Heilbron on the CGN Podcast Network, so I'm going to go with Helbron. But it's appropriate for our movie that we're discussing. (laughs) (laughs) Leora is the digital editor at the Canadian Jewish News, and she's also the editor-in-chief of Brief Take, a a movie website. How long have you been running that? Just over two years, but I'd been writing for other sites for about 10. So you're you're the resident movie expert here at the CJN office. <laughs> I'll take it. Um, how many movies did you see at TIFF this year, Lior? Just under 30. There you go. So That's a lot of movies. I'm, I'm the actual quote-unquote movie critic for the CJN. I saw seven or eight, so you are a lot. doing a much better job than me. Alex, you haven't seen any movies at TIFF this year, I don't think. No. So you're not going to be contributing as much to this part of the no, conversation. No, <laughs> That is fine. And Lior and I are going to, uh, we, we didn't see all the same movies, but uh, we're going to just be describing a bit of the more Jewish stuff, some of the Israeli stuff, giving a, a bit of a rundown of what was going on this year at the Toronto International Film Festival. So Lior, this year's festival seemed pretty Jewish from my vantage point. What, why don't we start off, I'm just going to ask like what, Jewish movies you saw these can be like any like anything tangentially Jewish starring a Jew written by a Jew about Jewish stuff oh goodness um I saw quite a few movies starring Jews um the People's Choice winner Jojo Rabbit um the other Scarlett Johansson film Marriage Story I saw um that's Noah Noah Baumbach right yes yes I saw that I saw Amy Jo Johnson's film Tammy's Always Dying we call her Canadian. She can be an honorary Canadian. Um, Guns Akimbo starring Daniel Radcliffe, which you also saw. Yeah. You have some comments to make about that one. A very, a very Jewish film, Guns Akimbo. It stars D- Daniel Radcliffe as a, a techie engineer who wakes up one day drugged by a gang with guns bolted to his hands. Uh, and then he has to compete in this death game. Very Jewish film. Very Kabbalistic. <laughs> um, Perhaps. And you saw quite a few more. I, I saw more of the Jewish stuff. Um, I caught The Vigil, which is uh, a horror film about a shomer, a guy who's paid to stay overnight watching a corpse. A demon makes itself known. Uh, it's a very good premise for a horror film and was a very bad horror film. I was very, very disappointed by The Vigil. Oh, I heard good things about it. By who? Norm Wilner of Now Magazine. I'll tell you what. He's not Jewish, right? Wilner could be Jewish. Wilner could be Jewish. His Mike brother Wilner. was interviewed, yeah, and he said he was Jewish. And All right, yet, fine. I've never heard Norm Wait, say Wait, is anything. his brother Mike Wilner? Yeah. The Blue Jays guy on yeah. Fan 590. He went to chat. 
Yeah. He's one okay. of the most famous. So Norm is then alumni. a very bad Jew, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Norm. No, I just I, I I found the film so appallingly bad, both from a cinematic perspective and from a Jewish perspective. I'll just start. We'll just get into this one right now. If okay. I could just get this off my chest, <laughs> the film opens with a bunch of millennials who are obvious who are acting more like millennial acting students than orthodox jews which they apparently are and they just occasionally say sentences in yiddish but with no real reason to say anything in yiddish like it's just everything feels to me very it felt very inauthentically jewish it felt very exoticized the judaism the the demonology and and the and the kabbalism and all this sort of stuff it felt very uh superficial and nonsensical and the plot itself Look, there's there's not even a spoiler. He just decide like the main character by the end just decides he's now going to beat the demon and then beats the demon. Like there's no growth. There's no anyway. People aren't going to see this film. I'm not going to rant on too much longer. But Aww. I found it I found it bad on multiple levels. That's my review of the vigil. Um, <laughs> okay. I do want to start off by talking more about a film that we both saw. At least mm. we can have a conversation and Yay. not just a rant by me. Um, Jojo Rabbit. Yes. One of the biggest films of TIFF this year. Alex doesn't want us to spoil anything. We're going to try to not spoil anything. It comes out in theaters, I believe, in October. Yes. Leora, what did you think of it? I thought it was fine. It wasn't in my top 10 at all. I think it was Lesser Taika, the director, um, and I believe the adapter of the novel. I believe he wrote it. I'm not too sure. I'm not We'll have to check on that. Um, I know it's based on a novel. I think he adapted the novel. Um, Also stars in it. I think it's one of his lesser films. A lesser Holocaust film, if I can say that. Well acted, well directed, certainly. A huge crowd pleaser. The crowd that I saw it with was very into it, clapping the whole time, laughing. There were some tears. Was it one of my favorites? No, not at all. I've got a question, actually. Do you think that did you not like it because you think it took risks that didn't pay off or it just didn't really take the risks that it could have for the, I guess, for those who don't know the premise, which, um, it's just a boy in Nazi Germany whose imaginary friend is Hitler. Is that about it? That's about yes. it. So, you know, when you hear that premise, and I have only seen the trailer so far, um, I was just like, wow, this is probably going to be like weird and, and um, just like irreverent, but in a, in a um, way that's meant to promote critical thinking and... and did it not? It's a, it's a bit more broad than that. It's, okay. a bit, it's a bit more slapstick and goofy. And, right. and I would say if it has a fault, I actually love the film. I just want to put it out here. And I never cried during films. I did start to cry a little bit during this one. I know how absurd that you're making. The, you're arching an eyebrow at me. I know how weird it sounds. When? But tell me after. I'll tell you after. But um, it, my, my biggest criticism of it, Alex, would be to that point, it isn't deep enough mm-hmm. in, its, in its analysis of anything. It's right. very broad and obvious and lowest common denominator kind of stuff. So it's not as ambitious as it could have been? I mean, it's very high concept. I think it's I think it's ambitious, but I think the script itself is a little... Some of the jokes are a little repetitive. Some of the gags are a little too simple. It's and just... really uneven. It really loses steam about halfway through. And then the end, it, it gains it again a little. But overall, I think they could have cut at least half an hour. I don't know if I agree with the full half hour critique, but uh, I I really, really liked it. I really liked it. I also really like the correlation. Bet- it's, it's the premise of the film, but I think it's very clever. It's the correlation between the coming of age story, 
and the crumbling of Nazi Germany, right? It's this moment where you have to let go of the past. You have to realize what the world is really like. I found that combination of things. The main kid is is an ardent Nazi, and the jokes they make about how much of a Nazi he is, I think a lot of them are funny. Like at one point, Scarlett Johansson, who plays his mom, says, um, you know, he, he cried for two weeks when he found out his grandfather wasn't blonde or something, which I just thought was a great joke, right? Like it's a double coming-of-age story where he's, on the one hand, you know, going through puberty and and meeting a girl and, and, and growing up and losing his imaginary best friend and all that stuff, but it's also literally the world crumbling around him as he realizes that what he thought was what was reality and what was true isn't like it's just it's it's a bunch of lies it it it's a it's a parallel for escaping any kind of ideology really and and realizing how how fragile and manipulative these things are um this may just sound like i'm summarizing the sort of themes of it but i thought it really resonated because it was also funny because the kid itself acted the hell out of the movie I thought the soundtrack was was bang on. It's a lot of, you know, 60s and 70s pop rock music, but in German. Uh, and I don't know. I just thought the whole thing was like a really fun and effective ride. I have a theory that the people who dislike this movie are critics who prefer artsier shit at TIFF. I mean, no. <laughs> okay. Not in my case. I can't speak to the critics, the other critics. I honestly didn't speak to anyone who disliked it or who liked it. Alternatively, you're the first person uh, I've spoken to who's liked it. Um, no, I. So for myself, I don't necessarily like artsier films. I wanted to like this film, um, especially since it was getting so many bad reviews. I wanted to go in and I wanted to like it. I didn't want to be that you know so-called snobby film critic. The only reason I say it is, is because it did win the People's Choice Award. I don't know the politics of that thing, but it just struck me as more of a populist option than, than a critical one. Are right? you saying Jojo Rabbit is the Donald Trump of tip? <laughs> There's a lot of politics. There's a lot of things that is there people any... know. Was, can you tell us anything about what might have led to this decision? Um, <clears throat> you know, I'm not going to say anything on the record. I'm just going to say it was very much crowd-pleaser the audiences, there are long-standing ovations for this film. Uh, the audience, again, the audience that I saw it with was very into it, so it made sense. It wasn't a surprise from anyone's perspective. Mm -hmm. The fact that Taika is very well connected in the industry, had just won an award at TIFF, had led a master class last year. Connecting some dots for all you viewers, <laughs> all you listeners there. <laughs> Uh, his uh, publicist is the same publicist as Alfonso Cuaron, who went on, had a great Oscar campaign last year. Okay, so suffice it to say, there's a lot of politics that goes into these things. We encourage you to uh, see it for yourself. And do your own research. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, make up your own mind. It's coming into theaters, what, in October? Yes. Um, quickly, some other Jewish stuff at TIFF. Did you see The Painted Bird? I did. I know you did. You were telling <laughs> I, me about it. I didn't. I don't know what it is. Basically, it's a three-hour black and white Holocaust film that shows any sort of abuse that you can imagine done to a human or an animal is shown in this movie to show the cruelties of war, cruelty of humanity. And there were a lot of walkouts. A lot of people reported on the walkouts. Beautifully made film. Will it be seen outside of the festival realm? I 
don't know. Really hard to find a distributor for a three-hour-long uh, torture <laughs> Black documentary. It's mm. basically just artsy snuff. I guess it's not real. Yeah, well made. Yeah, very beautiful to that. look at. Well acted, gorgeous cinematography, but the hardest thing I've ever had to watch in all plot? my life. Yeah, you follow along this boy who may or may not be Jewish as he goes along the countryside. You know, trying to find shelter, trying to find food, trying to find somebody who will be nice to him, essentially. And no matter who you are, whether you're Russian or German or any of the people he encounters, there's cruelty no matter what your background is. And it takes place during the Holocaust. Well, I can't say that uh, is a ringing endorsement that makes me want to see the film, (laughs) but... Uh, I did catch another one uh, of the of the Second World War era films, not the Painted Bird, but Liar Bird, another World War II bird movie. This one stars Guy Pierce as a Dutch artist who's renowned as one of the best forgers of all time. He plays a very foppish, well-connected, aristocratic artist and art collector who, it turns out, sold uh, a very popular Vermeer painting to high up Nazi general. When this was discovered, the, the government tried to throw him in jail for uh, for collaborating with Nazis. Turns out he forged the Vermeer and they have to prove this in court. They have to prove his innocence by proving that he is such a good forger. It's an interesting story, actually. Is it based on a true story? It is absolutely based on a true story. The movie itself is not great. Leroy, you were telling me before you heard it had really bad reviews as well. Yes. And that's as much <laughs> as I know about it. I warm to it a little bit more in retrospect. The first thing that that hits you immediately is, A, this is not written like any World War II biopic. Like you think of stuff like The Imitation Game and stuff. This is written almost more with a contemporary style script, but it's not like a stylish choice. It seems more like an incompetent choice. Like they didn't know how to write it better. Um, The exposition is really blunt. Like the first five minutes is like, oh, you're the gruff character meant to be my muscle as I'm investigating this. Yes, I am. Like it's almost that direct. And uh, it's absolutely burdened down by this totally useless romantic subplot, as I feel like a lot of these films are, because you think, oh, we need it to be like have a, we need to be Hollywood-ish. We need it to follow a formula, and so let's have this romantic subplot. Except the main characters have absolutely no um, emotional resonance at all. The manufactured romantic subplot is maybe my least favorite thing about Hollywood. Yeah, especially when they somehow forget what the movie's supposed to be about and just um, Trojan horse the romantic subplot into the main plot by the end of the movie, and you're like, this is not what I signed up for. Yeah, this isn't that. I think, if anything, maybe it's more an acknowledgement that there just weren't enough women in the story, so right. they included two as romantic interest for this main but that's guy. not even... Why can't If you're making this up anyway, why don't you have them be something other than just a romantic interest? I don't know. Well, he the guy actually had a, a wife and presumably... Right, I, I get that. ...divorced his wife to go off with his secretary. I guess. Which is what it's happens just... in the movie, but it's not really a spoiler because you're not going to care about the romantic plot <laughs> anyway if you see this film. I will say the, sec- the entire second half is the courtroom scene wherein the main guy, who's Jewish, he's an officer in the army and he's trying to, to prove this artist's um, 
this forger's innocence by proving that he did indeed forge it. And you have all these art specialists and critics coming up and saying, it's absolutely impossible. This is absolutely the real thing. These are how I do the tests. And the whole second half is a courtroom scene, which I actually found much more compelling than, than the first half. It's a kind of movie I wouldn't pay to see, but if it winds up on Netflix or something, I would say it's you know, worth it if, if you can stomach the first half and wait till the second hour. So fast forward. And another film that I saw that was very good, very well done, a little overlong was Incitement, which is the retelling of the assassination of Yitzhak Rabin, Israeli prime minister in 1995. He was killed by an ultra-right-wing, ultra-Zionist, orthodox um, radical. It's very well done. It blends real media footage from the era with uh, actors retelling the story. Oh, so it's not a doc, but it's a reenactment? It, it's, it has elements of docudrama. Yeah, okay. so... so it, it's 100% biopic, but, yeah. you know, when he's watching TV, like, you see 1995 Netanyahu right. shouting, being like, the peace, you know, uh, Rabin is leading us down a terrible path. Right. And then you see real protests from 1995 with, with people chanting, you know, death to Rabin, death to Rabin. And the whole film is about the, in, the a- atmosphere of incitement that it caused and the role it played in his eventual assassination. It's very well told. Like I said, a little on the long side um it's a it's a slow burn but it's it's a gripping story yeah so as we said at the top of the show there's been an epidemic of people using the word jew as a verb in new jersey not just any people but actually elected city officials um here's a jta jewish telegraphic agency headline that i'm about to read a president of a new jersey city council used the term jew her down her colleagues came to her defense um, so basically, they were talking about settling a personal injury lawsuit, and um, the president of the city council, Kathy McBride, in Trenton, New Jersey, used the term Jew her down, um, talking about an attorney who is Jewish. So, um, Use her special Jew powers on yeah, her. Yeah, exactly. Other people defended her, saying it's a verb. It's, it's talking about negotiating. Someone's like, it's inappropriate in today's PC culture. Absolutely. But to Jew someone down is a verb and is not anti-anything or indicative of hating Jewish people. Um, And some other councilmen said it's just a statement of speech. The mayor finally was like, it's offensive and you should probably reflect. Um, (laughs) And last week in Patterson, New Jersey, a councilman also used the term Jewess down to criticize developers. Um, His name was Michael Jackson, which isn't really that important, but you have to say it. Um, So... His colleagues called him out right away, and he said it was a mistake. He said, I'm going to read from the article now. That statement should have never been made. I ask everyone to forgive me for my brief lack of sensitivity, he said, adding that he meant it with no malice. Jackson said he heard the phrase growing up and that it was then a, quote, term of endearment. (laughs) So, Oh, you chewed him down. Good for you. It's just the first person who actually said something about it apparently was Councilman Al Abdelaziz, who's of Palestinian descent. Uh, and he was the first word person to call out his uh, this Michael Jackson character. Yeah, respect, solidarity. Yeah. So um, we, you know what? I would, as a Jew, I would also uh, call someone out if I heard them saying Palestinian you down. Yeah. You should just Palestinian them down. Arab the <laughs> hell out of that person. <laughs> I'm not even going to ask what that would mean in that context. <laughs> it would mean you give them tea and welcome them into your home. Of course, yes. Uh, the kind of person who would use language like that would probably use it. To get that point across. Um, okay, this is an absurd story. I I don't really hear the phrase Jew as a verb. I never really have. Like you, Probably you, people know not to say it. Yeah. One would think it's it's implied. I don't know. Leora, do you have any thoughts about this? 
Well, the fact that two different people in New Jersey used it two separate weeks. What's going on in New Jersey? <laughs> I mean, this isn't. This is more serious. There's also a, a teenager who uh, was just arrested for trying to run over some Jewish people in New Jersey. Yeah. So a lot of Jews in New Jersey, and apparently a lot of people who either don't like them or don't realize that using slurs is offensive. I guess. Yeah, I it know. sounds like if that's the issue, I didn't know about the kid who's the the attempted murder. Um, it does seem like it's just something that's culturally ingrained, as you, like you just said. If they are growing up hearing Jew as, uh, I would say, derogatory. Uh, yes. No, it's just <laughs> a figure of parlance. speech. It's a term of endearment. Right. You know those Jews. They just always try to steal all our money from us. Well, <laughs> from I, under our noses. I mean, I which are neither hooked nor overly large, because we're not <laughs> Jews. Um, the only comparison I can really think of is uh, Indian giver. That's really the only fair comparison that I can think of right now um, where, you know, if you give someone a gift and then you ask for it back or something, it's called, that's that's the phrase. Which is also a phrase that I think is widely accepted as not not acceptable, not really used. Yeah. I think it's even less used here in Canada, to be honest. Yeah. Um, are the, I'm, I'm curious to know if these people would also say Indian giver. Yeah, I mean, I think they'd say it's just an expression and who cares? We clearly don't hate Jews or Indians. And it's like, I don't believe that this person... I mean, maybe the first person who, like, used it to describe a Jew specifically, that's certainly more problematic to me. The other person, if it is just, like, part of your vernacular, and then you're all of a sudden being called out on it, um, like, I don't think they're necessarily hateful towards Jews. I do think they shouldn't use the word Jew as a verb. And also, where did they hear it used beforehand? I mean, how is this being passed down? Yeah. They heard it in shul. (laughs) (laughs) I. They probably just don't realize that. I mean, they never stop to think about it because they've always heard it used in that context. And they're just like, well, that's just a word and the way people use it. Yeah, I think it's a lot easier to point these things out when the the word of the person, the name of the person being persecuted is in the word itself, like Jew them down or Indian giver or something yeah. like that. There are expressions that are rooted in racism that we tend to gloss over. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if this is just a, a myth, or, but I, I recall reading that uh, long time no see as a phrase is based on broken Chinese English. Huh. And now there are people trying to say this is a racist phrase, and in that respect, I could see how it's how it's true. But it's it because it doesn't say the word Chinese or Chinaman or something in there. Yeah, we we ignore it and we accept it as part of the English vernacular. I know um, when I was in Halifax at the local uh, arts college, there was a similar controversy. Someone in the newspaper used the phrase "peanut gallery," which apparently might have racist uh, origins that nobody knew about, and then. I don't know. I mean, like if if people don't know about it in the first place, you know, that like those ones where it's not in the name, you can uh, let them know without like judging them for being racist when there's no reasonable way for people to know like the origins of every phrase they use. But when something like Indian giver or Jew, you can know. Yeah. Uh, yeah so I'm, I'm looking up the Wikipedia entry for long time. No, see it, it, it. Same thing with no can do and chop chop. It is. Uh, yeah, I had no idea. Derives from English pidgin that was spoken by Native Americans or Chinese or an imitation of such. Hmm. Um, yeah, at, right? Like, you had no idea. I'm sure a lot of people listening had no idea, and so it doesn't seem racist. It, but it is, in fact, entrenched racism because it's mocking a certain dialect. Does that make it okay now? I don't know. Certainly, Jew them down is different because Jew's right in there, which mm-hmm. is, is to your point. But uh, is that where we draw the line? Where it's blatantly in the phrase. If you can yes. tell. I think maybe you could draw it farther, but you at least have to draw it there. Yeah. Um, I do want to also take this opportunity to slip in one of my favorite jokes from a comedian who has since been canceled, Louis C.K. But 
I you know what his I'm not sure if you listened to his comeback thing he did after a year. I'm not really interested to be honest. It was no. funny. I believe it's funny. It He's funny. a funny guy. But... And, and I listened to it and I was like laughing and sighing at the same time because I was like, I know, I know it's Louis C.K., but ah, oh, he's very funny still. Yeah, if you still want to like <laughs> laugh, I, I think we expect people, expect too much of people for every choice to like hold up some ideal or value. And sometimes I just want to laugh and I don't really care. About well, I mean, I don't know how ideal you have to be to not whip out your penis. In front no, no, of that's not what I mean. But I'm saying like, if he creates, okay, I don't want to do this whole. This is a whole <laughs> other debate. Losing his, but, okay, wait, what's the so joke he wanted to? Retell? He would always say that um, the thing about the word Jew is it's it's the only word that you use to just regularly describe someone and also uh, as a slur against them. I just love to hear maybe a president one day slip it in a speech, you know, like a kind of I have a dream speech where he's saying, "I just dream about the day when we can all get along: blacks, whites, young, old, rich, poor, Gentiles." Jews. <laughs> so, yeah, that is, I, I know that bit. Um, Louis C.K. might, I think he's like one quarter Jewish as well or something. And yeah. There's some, there's some connection there, but uh, it's true, right? I mean, you, we, we say Jew all the time in this debate. We've had this debate on the podcast about whether or not Jew is acceptable these yeah. days. People think it's less and less. On the topic of disgraced comedians using the word <laughs> Jew. <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll go right into our next subject. The final... Subject of our episode today, do Jews need to worry about Shane Gillis, who was hired onto SNL for all of a day, maybe? Um, Three or four, I think. Three or four. He was fired so quickly because people on the internet found derogatory podcasts that he had been on, uh, his own and someone else's, wherein he routinely called Asian people a word that we've all agreed not to say on this podcast. It's the CH word that you use to describe Asian people if you are a racist, which Shane Gillis may be unclear. I mean, he certainly loves racist jokes if he isn't himself racist. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're not here to talk. This is not the uh, Asian Jewish schmooze or the Canadian Asian schmooze. This is <laughs> <laughs> neither of those things. <laughs> what's, vi- what's, what's truly perplexing about this whole story is that one of the phrases that was uncovered was him calling Andrew Yang, who's running to be the Democratic presidential candidate, a Jew CH word. Now, did Jews need to worry about this? It definitely sounds more like a Jew and not like a Jew. Because <laughs> well, Andrew Yang is not a Jew. Yeah. So why did he say it? He was also talking about Bernie Sanders in that same small yeah. speech yeah so we so he just i think he you know coupled them together so before we started talking we listened to it and we'll play a short clip now for you as well and just a quick warning we're not going to censor any of this we're not going to say this word ourselves but these guys do uh just so you can kind of get a sense of what we're talking about so who i don't, know, I don't follow it i don't all. know anybody it's good it's a bad moment of your show yeah, that was i, I just said dick cheney was wario to Fucking Bernie Sanders, Mario. That's better than any joke that has been made on this episode. Except your a couple chink, of Zach, Zach's your chink line was forty times better yeah, than was sick. But I drop a couple chinks. Stephen Mason was pretty. Trust good. me, that whole episode is probably me getting drunk. <laughs> pretty much a whole episode of me getting it drunk. Bernie Sanders is a chink. Who <laughs> <laughs> that Jew chink? Come on, man. Commie Jew chink. Next, please. Next. <laughs> Give me your next candidate, Dems. <laughs> Jew chink. Next. <laughs> Actually, they are running a Jew chink. <laughs> chink, dude. <laughs> Ah, shit. Yang um, or Chang? <laughs> yeah. 
So you just heard that clip. Um, it came about 20 minutes after them using the CH word um, as kind of the butt of a joke. I, I didn't really make any more sense in the previous context. They just said it and that was the joke itself. Um, so that's why it comes back at this point in the podcast. Doesn't really make sense to any of us. Yeah, we're trying to figure out if we are genuinely confused as to whether or not Jews need to worry about this. I don't think so. I think he's also homophobic. He's also against women, uh, no matter what their race. He's very clearly very against Asian people because this isn't the first instance of him using that word. He's used to repeatedly, not just in that one podcast, in others as well. Um, not a good guy. <laughs> not a good look, Shane Gillis. Um so, Alex, why do you think he called Yang? Uh, this We have to just preface right now. We're, we're reading way too deeply into a very dumb yes. thing. He said probably well high. But why do you think he called Yang, who is 100% Taiwanese and 0% Jewish, a Jew CH word? So I do think the most likely explanation is just like free association. He was talking about Jew Bernie Sanders, who he called that. And then he's like, oh, they've already got one of those. And then said his name just because, you know, he was just mouthing off. But it wouldn't be any fun if we just ended it there. So, I mean. I actually don't. But I actually don't think that's what he was saying. I think Jew was code for socialist. Yeah. Because he was talking about Bernie Sanders being a democratic socialist. He was talking about, I mean, I don't know how much history Gillis knows. But like once upon a time, you know, socialists and Jews were were seen synonymously, which was an anti-Semitic trope. You know, people who couldn't be trusted, uh, particularly after World War II in the 1950s. I don't think Gillis knows much of this, but it's possible that he has grown up hearing the word Jew sort of swirling around with socialism. And he sees Bernie Sanders as, as an example of that. And so he just kind of says Jew and, and thinks of it in that, in that respect. And, and Yang has been compared with socialists, even though he's extremely libertarian. Mm-hmm. Um, he believes in giving money to people and getting rid of welfare basically mm-hmm. uh but a lot of people don't necessarily know that because it does sort of seem like the socialist utopia well yeah i mean that he's that he envisions yeah because he likes um universal basic income right that's or guaranteed basic income yeah that's his basic thing is a thousand dollars a month to every American. yeah and that seems pretty socialist to people who you know aren't uh well versed in the difference between socialist and libertarian economic policies yeah exactly and and definitely Yang. What's interesting is Yang and, and Sanders have actually been compared to one another pretty tightly, particularly because the Yang Gang and the Bernie Bros mm. uh, are like both groups of young white men who love memes and hate the government <laughs> and, yeah. hate, and hate politics. Um, so, like, it's totally realistic that they'd be sort of blurred into one another. But I I think it was I think it it was an I think it was an anti-Semitic uh, line. Didn't you also have the theory that maybe because he was rich, it could be? That's the other. That's the other possible one. Is that Yang's rich? Something about like, money. Jew ch word. You know, Yang's like a Jew. He's one of those wealthy business people types. I don't know. It's a theory. We'll never know. What do you no, think? You're not we'll convinced. Never know. <laughs> Are you convinced by any of this, Leora? No, I think he's just a very hateful, all around, you know, racist anti-semitic oh not great guy (laughs) i think i i don't think he even thought about what he was saying to be honest i think he just you know went on this long rant long racist rant and regularly does so like the more slurs i put in the funnier it is who cares if it makes any sense yeah you have to look at who his audience is too i mean there are people that that's not shocking to them 
I mean, they literally said the funniest moment of the show was just when he used that Asian slur as a punchline. They said that was the best joke of the show. All he did was say it. Yeah. And they're like, that was the greatest moment. So <laughs> And said it repeatedly, too. Yeah. And to a drum roll. <laughs> Days after he was fired from SNL, I just want to want to read out what uh, what happened. Gillis himself wrote, before he was fired, I'm a comedian who pushes boundaries. I sometimes miss. And like, I don't know. I don't see that as a miss. It's not like, especially because he was laughing so hard when he said it. it it's not like a, a joke that bombed. But anyway, after he was fired, uh, he says, I'm a comedian who was funny enough to get SNL. That can't be taken away. I think maybe he is a comedian who pushes boundaries. That doesn't mean we have to like it. <laughs> Or, or respect it. Like, that's the risk you, yeah. you're choosing to take. And you don't get to have your cake and eat it, too, and say, oh, because I'm pushing boundaries, you know, you have to accept that that's what I'm doing. You can just say, great, good for you. You keep doing your podcast or your comedy on the lower circuits where people want to hear that kind of comedy. And if you want to get called up to a more mainstream show where people don't want to hear it, then you just have to accept that. And maybe... You know, if, I don't even know if he really believes that stuff was a miss because he's been doing it for years. That was no. recorded in May. And yeah. he scrubbed it all when he got hired because he knew this would come back to bite him. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't I, – I, to call it a, a miss, to say like, oh, I just tried to be funny. It, like to, to call it a miss is such vague language that means nothing. It was, not a, it was not a miss. It was in bad taste. Yeah, you're allowed to be in bad taste. You just – that whole point of being in bad taste is that like people think it's in bad taste and they don't like it. You know who disagrees with us? Jewish comedian Rob Schneider. Yeah. Who entered into this debate. Do you know about this, Alex? No, I don't. <laughs> so Rob Schneider, just as an epilogue to all this, tweeted, Dear Shane Gillis, as a former SNL cast member, I'm sorry you had the misfortune of being a cast member during this era of cultural unforgiveness, where comedic misfires are subject to the intolerable inquisition of those who never risked bombing on stage themselves. He didn't risk bombing on stage. He said something and got laughs in a studio, a podcast. He said a lot of things. More than once. (laughs) Um, It's funny because Andrew Yang actually did try to forgive him and say he shouldn't lose his job for the stuff he said about him. Yeah, I think he said, uh, let's meet up and talk about this in person. Yang, Well, Yang has nothing to lose at this point. He's only gaining support. That's true. I, I think he probably believes what he said because, I mean, he could have also said, like, he should be fired. Like, a lot of probably people who want to be... Uh, the Democratic candidate for president probably would have responded in in a more, uh, I don't know if vindictive is the right word, but a, a more judgmental way. Yeah, it's it's very on brand for Yang to uh, be forgiving and embracing. And his whole thing you is him, humanity right? first. Yeah, I wrote a profile about him for McLean's. Uh, it's actually uh, on newsstands right now. <clears throat> but um, How did he strike you? I mean, he, he is... As he appears on stage, he's he's a pretty normal dude, which is what people like about him. Um, Do you think it's an act? I don't think it's an act because he's not acting enough. Um, but he definitely does embrace the Asian stereotypes in like just all this, like he just doesn't care. Right. Like Yang himself will say, even on this, the most recent debate on ABC, we're digressing a bit from the Jewish part of this, but <laughs> um he he was answering some question and the moderator cut him off and then he tried to continue his time and he made a really bad joke about like, you know, I'm Asian, so I know a lot of doctors, hmm. which is the kind of thing he'll like say offhandedly during a, a speech of his, like a stump speech. And, pe- and it'll like kind of get a few laughs, like a few like sort of nervous laughs. I, I, I read it his way of, of trying to make white people OK with having an Asian mm-hmm. president, um, you know, just saying like it's not a big deal. I can make these jokes. 
he owns it. When other people try to get in on that, like Shane Gillis, it is less effective. Right. Well, namely because he's not Asian himself. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> One thing I'll, I'll note, finally, to conclude this whole segment, SNL hired three people in one day. Shane Gillis was one of them. The other one was Chloe Feynman. And the other one was Bowen Yang, one of whom is a Jew, and the other of whom is Asian. Hmm. And they let go the guy who had problems with both of them. <laughs> well, thank you for listening to another episode of the Canadian Jewish Schmooze. Thank you, Leora, for joining us. Thank you for having me. This was great. If people want to find your stuff at Brief Take, they can find it at brieftake.com. Yes, and Brief Take on all social uh, channels. Wonderful. And, of course, you also run the social media for the CJN, so you can also just follow the CJN and the CJN Podcast Network. We're on Facebook and Twitter, CJN Podcasts. And if you haven't yet, listen to last week's episode of The Mench Warmers, our sister podcast about Jews and sports, where Mensch's Jamie and Gabe interviewed Max Winkler, the son of the fawn, and also the director of Jungle Land, another movie at TIFF about two bare-knuckle boxers named Kaminsky who are not Jewish. This episode was edited by myself. Our intro music is by Vanya Zhuk. Our outro music is by Lache Swing. David Collin is our yodeling goat herd. Thanks for listening. Until next time.